You're listening to The Human Factor from Inc. Magazine. I'm Eric Schoenberg, the CEO of Inc. and Fast Company. I've interviewed Adi Tatarko a few times over the past few years. She's co-founder and CEO of House, a two-sided home remodeling platform that links homeowners with professionals like designers and contractors. Also links them with content, design software, and, and housewares for sale. Now, on the other side of the market, House links the designers and builders in the network with tools to manage their business. As a journalist, I admired Adi's story, the small solution to a personal problem that grew into a giant company. And now, as a CEO myself, I've listened to her evolving take on leadership and thought, hmm, <laughs> she really gets it. From a business that started in the living room of Adi and her co-founder and husband, Alan Cohen, House now reports about 1,200 employees and a community of 65 million homeowners and 2.7 million professionals. I know. It is a classic entrepreneurial success story. Welcome, Adi. Thank you, Eric. Great to meet you again. <laughs> Good to see you again. I'll have to do it in person next time. <laughs> that would be great, boy, and, and uh, something we're all longing for. Now, you're in Palo Alto, I take it, in your home? I am. The same house that started house. That's fantastic. Well, there's a, there's a full circle for you. I. Adi, I have to tell you that you are the only person I've interviewed on The Human Factor who has a typewriter in her background. Do you want to tell us what that means to you? It means uh, great memories when um, I used to correspond with um, friends from all over the world, in Japan and UK and Germany, and actually type the letters and send it in the mail and get the great um, stamps on, you know, the envelopes and being so excited getting it um, years ago. But this one has the Hebrew letters and truly brings great memories of my childhood. My that mom got fun. it for me as, as a gift. And I felt like this is such a great memory for me. It should yeah, be. That's office. great. That's great. I love that. Um, let's talk about the origin story and not for the moment, the origin story of House, but the origin story of Adi. You came to the U.S. from Israel. Um, what brought you here? Um, great question. Well, we just got married and um, in Israel and in the U.S. actually. So we had dual wedding. And Alon thought that it's going to be really cool um, when we came to the U.S. for our honeymoon um, to live for a few years in the U.S. And I thought, yeah, that's great. I actually had a very different idea of what would be great. I thought more of the city and, and New York. Um, but here we go. We had an opportunity to move and work for a tech company in New York. And that was pre-kids. And, you know, why not? We love the big city. We love New York. We thought it's a great opportunity for our careers and also personally. So. So we did it. And then one thing led to the other and um, more than 20 years passed since that decision. Uh, and you moved from New York to Palo Alto then? The, the yeah. New, transferred you? And unfortunately, New York only lasted uh, one year um, because that company then moved to Boston and there was a whole development from, from there. And we had to make a call whether we go back to New York, uh, move back to Israel, or like what Alon wanted, move to the Silicon Valley. 
Uh, I'm saying, I keep saying what Alon wanted because it was <laughs> absolutely not what I had in mind when we moved for just for a few years from Israel to the state. Um, but I happen to agree with, with that request, thinking it's going to be for um, a short term and it ended up being much more than that. Yes. Uh, yes. I, I know how that happens. Uh, you know, um, I, I, I want to talk about housing in just a second, but I want to talk sort of about your your mindset or the the way you the the approach to life that you brought to Silicon Valley when you moved out there. And the reality is most people don't become entrepreneurs. What do you think in your upbringing or in the way you approach life made you different? Well, I think in general, I am all into exploring new things. That was, you know, the drive behind, okay, let's try the U.S. for a few years. Let's learn. Mm -hmm. Even the agreement to move from New York to the Silicon Valley, though the suburb is not my cup of tea in general, I was kind of, okay, you know, let's explore. And I always try to make the right decision from now going forward and not just try to justify past decisions. So I think this is the starting point for everything, right? Because if you are fixated on, well, I've made a, you know, a long time ago a decision that this is where I'm going to live and this is what I'm going to study and this is what's going to be my profession, then you are being less you know, open to new things that come your way, whether it's a suggestion from a partner or from a friend or just something that comes your way or an idea. Um, so I'm very, I think, open-minded and I'm always, even if my initial reaction is absolutely not, willing to look at things and consider them. And then truly taught myself how to think about things from now going forward versus just justifying past decisions. Um, so that's a starting point. I will say I'm married to entrepreneur in heart. So it was very clear to me when he said, let's move to the Silicon Valley, that he will do something. I actually had something very different in mind um, for our life in the Silicon Valley. I wanted to have kids at this point, And I felt like my career in high tech was too intense, 16 hours a day. That with kids would not work so much. So I kind of moved aside from it and went to study again and worked in a small boutique investment firm um, for, for several years, you know, crafting a very different career path for myself. But again, I think when House started and that opportunity, you know, knocked on the door, it was very hard not to at least look at it and say, wait a minute, you know, this is so much fun and I'm so excited about it. So one thing led to the other. I think it's it's a combination and lots of luck of Alon being very entrepreneurial, him actually crafting the way towards something that I happen to really, really love. And when he popped the question, not the, will you marry me? That was years before, but, you know, <laughs> would you join and do it with me full-time and be the CEO? I, I really had to think about it. Now, Eric, it may sound from the beginning of this conversation like I'm just, you know, whatever he wants. He would actually laugh if he would hear this conversation because there are not many things that are so easy to convince me that are so big, but it happens to be that the move to the Silicon Valley, which I didn't want to originally, and then... Um, the move back to tech were both initiatives that he started with. So I give him 
the full credit or blame depends on how you want to see it. <laughs> well, okay. Um, I just point out that not for nothing, you're the CEO. Let's just am. make sure we got I, that. Story. I am, and 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 I will say this. You know, it could have been different. Um, it was totally his idea and and proposal, um, because people ask, "How did you decide?" Well. He, I, I thought when we did it as a side project, and at some point it started accelerating a lot, I wasn't even sure that if it will become a company at, at more progressed stages of this side project, that I'm going to do it full time myself. I was sure that he will. And when he said, I think that you should resign your job, come and do it with me full time, uh, I'm, he, he resigned as well. And you should be the CEO. That was that moment where he explained to me why he thinks that I should be the CEO, why he thinks that I should do it full time. So I had a lot to digest in, in this. But um, yes, part of it was I'm going to do it full time, 16 hours, maybe not enough with the kids. I should really, really love what I do in order to say yes to it. Obviously, I did. All right. So tell me, why did he argue that you should be the CEO? It's well, it's it's interesting. I, I think that it was just the dynamic of how we set up, you know, um, things to work between us. Um, we're very complementary. We don't come from the same fields. We don't have the same knowledge. And is this is very helpful, right? When one is dealing with different types of activities and the other one is enjoying mm. other type of activities, it's less conflicting. So I think... In his mind, um, the the foreign ministry, the external, but also internally, the type of things that I was much more accustomed to do were more suitable for what he had in his mind, uh, being the CEO. Again, it could have been different. Anyway, we worked together as, in a very complementary way, but but that was his, you know, idea that this would be a better fit for me to do that. And I, and I thought, well, okay, you know, it, it could have been different. It, when you don't have ego driving decisions um, and you truly think what would work better for the company, um, you can come up with the best solutions. It may not work very well with people that either come with ego or don't know each other very well, or they're not that complimentary and then they have the same desire to to have a certain title or to lead. But for us, it was never about that. And, and I think it helped a lot to make the right decisions. Um, as a husband and wife team, you obviously knew each other better than some co-founders know each other, but um, there are stresses and conflicts that come with that arrangement too. How do you keep married life separate from business life? Well, I'm not going to lie. It's it's not an easy thing. I think that um, the little people that helped us the most are our young kids. And I said little because they did it when they were very little. Um, the early years were extremely hard to create that separation because we worked nonstop and we didn't have a lot of help yet. Um, it was just the early years uh, before the company grew that much. Um, and, and it was our kids that around the you know, dining table would say, if we don't understand what you're talking about, 
um, or we're not part of the conversation, then don't talk about it and stop. And when we told them, put cell phones aside, because I truly believe in family conversations and, and being engaged, they said, we do that, you do the same. So, so they helped us to put these boundaries um, really early on, and, and it helped a lot. When we are with our kids, we're with our kids, and, and then we put time together to talk about business um, during working hours, and then um, when we're just a couple, and, and, and so we have time for, you know, going out and try, try not to talk about work too much. So, so it's a lot, but I think if you look at it from the great side of things, we have so much in common because many times people work in very different universes and I've heard lots of, you know, men and women say, well, that's nice to hear, but I don't want too much of it. I'm not into this world or not into that world. And these are things that get us excited. So it's blurry, but we also learned to put the separation. In the early years, it was funny because I would text Alon and say, the meeting with the investors was great. I'll show you the deck afterwards. Don't forget to buy diapers on your way home. And so it was <laughs> such a mix, you know, of everything. Um, I think we learned how to, to create the right boundaries for us and for the family. For those uh, who are watching who, who don't know House, can we talk briefly about the, the origin idea that led to this successful company? Um, it was solving a, a, a personal problem that you, that you and Alan had in your own home remodel. Yeah, so the same home that we're talking from right now, um, so full cycle. Um, yeah. we, we bought this house. We knew that we are, you know, batting here on, on something that over time maybe we'll have, to, you know, money to renovate step by step, a very old house from 1955. Mm -hmm. And we started saving after we bought the house to do um, different types of renovations. Nobody ever renovated this house uh, uh -huh. before we got it. So it was very dated, but in, in a place where we wanted to live. So this process, once we saved the first you know, uh, amount to do the first piece of renovation, um, got us very excited. We thought it's going to be such a wonderful process and we'll build our dream home. It was the first house that we ever you know, purchase, you know, to buy, to, to live in for ourselves and for our family. So it was very exciting, yet very, very disappointing. It was such a, you know, contradicting between expectations and, and, and reality. Um, we couldn't find great professionals. It was all, you know, few referrals from the network that really understood what we want to accomplish. They send us to bookstores to show them you know, books and try to explain what we want. The budget wasn't the right budget. We ended up working on it for a long time, uh, probably with the wrong pros for us. You know, somebody can be great for you, but not exactly a good fit for what we're trying to do. And we ended up with plans in front of us that we didn't like and we couldn't afford. Um, it was very, very frustrating, but that actually yielded the concept of house because we realized we don't know the professionals find it hard to understand what we want. There needs to be some visual, you know, in front of us so that we can talk about it. It needs to be much more effective in terms of who is involved and how everything is being done. And while many industries were already digital and, and moved to the 21st century, this was a very, very old school, you know, offline, fragmented and broken industry. Um, 
So a side project within our own community that brought together 20 parents from our kids school and, and interior designers and architects from our area, all were very excited to get a platform where they can visually see everything and ask and connect started it all and the rest was history. It started growing organically um, and we would go at night and, you know, when we put the kids to bed and and look at supported house after we opened it outside of the community with questions and requests and answer. And, you know, a year later, we had hundreds of thousands of, of users um, that are, you know, spending a lot of time on the platform and many, many professionals collaborating with them and and that triggered later on um, the creation of of the company itself the resignation from work and and doing it um, as a business full-time with many other housers and and support from the community uh clearly you really uh hit a nerve with with a company and the inspirational pictures and the networking of course the company has now grown well beyond just connecting homeowners and uh and remodeling professionals there are um, referrals, there's affiliate revenue, a credit card, um, augmented reality. How does how does house make money? And uh, sort of what what are the things that that seem to you to have the greatest potential for growth in the years ahead? Yeah. So at the base of everything, and and you nailed it. We have that enormous community, right? So from the get go, and that mission never changed we realized that bringing this professional community and we're talking about architect designers general contractors we have like 100 um, different type of, of professionals involved in home remodeling and design. And on the other side, homeowners or, or design enthusiastic or renters that want to update their homes, you know, asking questions and collaborating with them. So this enormous community, you know, was the core of everything. How do you bring that knowledge and visuals um, from, from the pros to, you know, the convenience and, and put it all in front of the homeowners that this magic will happen. And everything we built in terms of monetization or the business followed that, you know, connection. So on top of this um, enormous, you know, um, global platform today with, with this very large community, we started building the tools um, based on demand from the community, whether it's tools for the professionals to grow their business or to manage their business from start to finish, or tools from the homeowners that are now demanding it from the professionals. So what do they both want in order to make this process better? Uh, professional obviously wanted from the get-go to be seen and to make sure that many homeowners and the most relevant ones We'll see them so that they can grow their business by getting, you know, the relevant clients for them after they understand their expertise and their style and, and you know, appreciate their knowledge. They also want to be able to provide, you know, services that are techy. So to schedule the meetings, to build the clients, to show them, as, as you mentioned, 3D modeling, they really progressed a lot over the years 
And and big part of it is because homeowners are demanding it now. Homeowners are saying, before you come to my home, give me a proposal how much it's going to cost. I don't want to wait a few months until you put something on paper. Tell me roughly what would going to be the budget. Show me what you have in mind. They do it in 3D. They're able mm-hmm. to generate proposals within a few hours from our database and, and send it automatically. So lots of expectations in terms of how the process should work, how billing should work came from homeowners and professionals adopted. So what House did, House just followed this demand. Okay, this is the industry. It's fragmented, right? Before we started, pros would, you know, get clients mainly through referrals um, of people they knew, which was very limited, especially for new pros. Um, Or there were yellow books or directories or lead gen, but that didn't give them the right homeowners. And homeowners did the same thing like we did. And, and that really opened up, you know, a whole new universe to grow your business significantly. And now we follow this request and demand and also to manage your business from start to finish. So our SaaS platform for professionals is offering them from start to finish ability to grow their business and to manage their business um, the whole back end and, and giving um, all these advantages to clients that are hiring them. Um, that's our core revenue channel um, as a complementary service based on, again, following the demand from our homeowner and pros community. We also realize that people want to buy the products and materials they see in the images. So we initiated a marketplace um, and and pros and homeowners are shopping and completing their um, their work on the projects by by shopping from house. So again, everything the business followed both you know the platform for growth and then management, the whole SaaS offering start to finish, and the e-commerce from demand. What do people do online, and what they want to do online versus? offline today when everything is aggregated um, under one roof. It's basically followed the demand from the community. Okay. All right. Good. So the the professionals uh, have a subscription model, uh, which opens, unlocks for them the tools that you described for the beginning to the end of their right. business. And, um, and then there's affiliate revenue for sales uh, of it's not affiliate. It's our own marketplace. Um, it's your own marketplace. It's our own marketplace where we have uh, thousands of uh, vendors and sellers that are selling through the platform, and we initiate it. It's it's not an affiliate. It's it's our own marketplace. We build the whole marketplace. That's remarkable. So all of this, this e-commerce business, this professional support business, all came out of that one idea in one living room in this house that you're sitting in now. It is, like I said, a classic story. Yeah, um, I guess we were not the only homeowners feeling um, that frustration from the the process. And and there were many professionals um, looking for something like this as well. Yes, like I said, you definitely hit a nerve. Um, And then we could say that in 2020, you hit a roadblock because the pandemic hit your businesses, your customers, particularly hard. Most of those contractors, designers are small businesses. They don't have a cash cushion to get them through the shutdown that that happened in March of 2020. Homeowners were not about to invite 
strangers into their home to measure and uh, tear up their kitchen and things like that. How did you get through that period? And what were the, what were the tough decisions that you had to make? Um, you're absolutely right. That was the core thing in front of us where our core channel is, is um, the subscription SaaS channel for the professionals. And around the world, the shutdown, the sheltering place started um, and professionals immediately seek for help. You know, they didn't know how long it's going to continue, whether they'll ever have access to clients' homes um, and they wanted concessions and, you know, freeze of accounts and support financially. Um, so we knew we need to quickly make decisions for the company and reorganize things uh, in terms of our plans so that we'll be able to support all our clients around the world. So, so that was really tough. And it all happened really quickly. Um, where we also moved the entire company from working in offices to work from home. Um, so everything happened in parallel. Um, what we did was we decided to work with multiple scenarios like many other companies and, and prioritize support for our professionals, our clients um, as top priorities. So we trimmed in every single area that we could without touching people, of course, which is always the hardest thing to do. And, and uh, when we were done doing all that, we looked at that and, and thought, well, it's almost there, but not enough. So unfortunately, we had to make a tough decision to also um, let go um, a relatively smaller percentage of, of the population comparing to many other companies, but still every person matters. So it was really hard, but we had to do it because we didn't know for how long we'll need to maintain this support for all these professionals. So, so that was the early days uh, of the pandemic. Um, we did have rough several months there and, and the shutdown for us was pretty impactful all over the world. In Europe, it started and pretty quickly spilled over to the US and other areas. Um, luckily, um, when things started to get better, the opposite trend happened. So now, one, people all over the world looked at their homes very differently. They now needed much more out of their house um, leverage every single centimeter or, or square footage, depends on where they live, um, and they needed a lot of professional help. So we saw a significant uptick in reach out to pros. So that was one thing, to get help and to, to get the renovations done all over the world. The other thing that happened, we were planning um, to, to roll out um, more of the SaaS capabilities to our entire professional community to manage you know, digitally, lots of the processes. And, and that accelerated significantly due to the fact that there wasn't such access to homes. Yes, there was a desire to hire. So those, you know, demands created a much faster adoption of the tools. Homeowners demanded to do things online, demanded to see visuals online and, and 3D modeling and get proposals quickly and, and professionals adopted the tools. So the trends really flipped and, and we saw over 50% um, you know, a lift in terms of homeowners connecting professionals comparing to pre-pandemic. And we saw a meaningful adoption of, of tools and, and the software. So 
we went down to go up um, stronger, but but it was rough at the beginning. Um, and the result of that upswing was that 2020 was the best year you ever had. 2021 going as well, I hope. Yeah, well, 2020 definitely improved a lot the second half of the year when we started getting out mm -hmm. of it. Um, yeah, 2021, the trends continue. Uh, we do see um, high of all times in terms of uh, homeowners contacting pros, pros adopting software, software leading um, how, how this job is being done uh, faster and more efficiently. Um, the adoption is on both sides, homeowners and pros, and it all goes together with the trends that we're seeing. I think this is going to stay um, post-pandemic uh, as well because people now see their homes in a very different light than they saw it before. Uh, we see 10x looks, you know, and searches for art studios at house, four times, you know, uh, home gyms and, and outdoor, you know, expansions and, and leveraging the home in a very, of course, home offices in a mm -hmm. very different way than we saw it before. I think Lots of companies declaring that they'll move to hybrid models, more work from home. People tend to see the home now in, in you know, a much broader capacity than what they um, looked at it before. And, and we are seeing and, and getting the surveys from homeowners and pros. This is going to be um, the trend in the coming years, and it's here to stay. Uh, that is a question I did mean to ask you. As, uh, as the CEO, you do have to try to look over the horizon at whether the surge that you saw beginning in, you know, sometime in that second or third quarter of 2020, continuing through this year, whether that would last or whether it was pent up demand or the kind of one-time adjustment to a hybrid environment. But it sounds like you see this as something that has legs and we'll keep going. Yeah, for sure. Look, Eric, there were trends before pandemic that we realized and, and therefore created the the software and more support to do things more efficiently. But I will say this, let, let's talk about the US, for example, the aging mm -hmm. homes in the US, the baby boomers that are renovating, um, shortage of homes in the market, all these led even before to heavier renovation and expectation for heavy lifting in the coming years. Obviously pandemic on top of it and more people seeing their homes um, need to function mm -hmm. at, you know, in a different ways is, is here to stay. We're getting it from pros that are expanding their businesses and want to do things more efficiently. We're getting it from homeowners that are looking to do more. It, this trend will stay um, and, and will expand a lot in the coming years. Um, let's talk a little bit about your own personal journey. It's, you know, started with just the two of you. You now are responsible for 1,200 employees, and uh, you know, it, clearly you feel responsible for the professionals in your network as well. What what are the what are the lessons you learned along the way as you as you grew from just you know a startup founder to you know a full fledged CEO? Yeah, it's it's a great question. I think you need to stay um, on one side very connected to your mission. What is that DNA? What is it that you're trying to do? And how do you stick to it um, on one side? And I will tell you that we use the same slide as our, you know, that we created for our mission 10 years ago or 11 years ago. 
every single company meeting today, the same <laughs> slide. Uh, let's say, you know, we are creating that platform that will provide the best experience and the best tools from home professionals and home remodeling professionals and, and homeowners to have the best experience when they are remodeling homes. And, and this mission to provide the best tools, the best technology for that specific mission remained the same all the years. On the other side, you have to keep moving forward. You have to adapt. You have to see what's next. You can't stay exactly the same. So while the core mission remained the same, I think we were very open over the years to talk to the community, to get feedback, to see what's next, and to add or, or you know change things based on this feedback while sticking to the core mission. So that definitely helped. Um, obviously, you asked, you know, from, from 2 to 1,200, um, you need to change a lot. Mainly, you need to learn how to delegate and how to mm-hmm. let other people do um, the work. You don't have to do it all by yourself. Um, and I think we learned over the years to do it better and better on that front. We always strive to bring people that are better than us um, in, and experts in certain areas and the right people at the right time in the right spots. Um, and, and, and I think it worked very well for us over the years. We brought people into the house family, but we brought the right people that are, you know, a great fit for our culture, for our mission, that are very passionate about it. And, and they help us lead this. The foundation of house from the get-go was like that, very diversified with different people, different experiences. Um, When you build, it's like a house. When you build a strong foundation from the beginning, you can build it from one material. I truly believe in that. You have to bring lots of different, you know, materials and, and put it, you know, at the right time in the right places in the foundation. And then you're not going to have cracks in the walls that you need to fix a few years after. So I, I believe that we worked extremely hard in the early years exactly on that. And we enjoy the fruits of that today uh, in our foundation. There are lots of people that started with us in the early days. They are still in the mm. company and they're helping us, you know, lead this and, and build a very strong, um, you know, future for the company. So it evolved, but it, it, it evolved on, on, on top of this foundation. Good. Uh, it sounds like uh, a diverse workforce, diverse in uh, approaches and skills and what they bring to the party is part of the philosophy. But there has to be, I would think, some unifying culture that um, that identifies house as, you know, this is the place I work. Could you you know, put in a sentence or two, what that culture is, what is it that makes house different? How would people describe working for you uh, and your company that is different from anywhere else? I, I think that the one word that you're probably going to hear the most if you go and interview that 1,200 folks that work at house, the first word that's probably going to pop up, they'll say family. Um, they feel like this because we truly take care of each other. We know each other. It's it's people are very supportive of each other needs. They know each other families. So while it's a company mission driven, hardworking, hands on, we say we build the future and we work hard to get things done. That's the mindset. People also feel very close to each other and the culture really embrace that Um, there. You know, there are no 
while they are managers and leaders, there is almost no hierarchy. People can come and schedule one-on-one with anyone, including myself or Alon. And, you know, lots of, you know, interactions between people cross groups. Anyone can come with innovation. We are all working very hard, all hands-on people, um, you know, working in and very focused on, on, on doing what they do, but also collaborating and supporting each other in a very different way. Um, we, we truly care about each other in this company and, and you can feel it. You could feel it obviously much more when you would walk into any one of our offices around the world and see us celebrating birthdays every week and, and you know, laughing and playing the piano together and meeting for lunch every Friday around the world and all together. But I think we are working very hard to transfer a lot of it virtually as well uh, with mixers between teams and and lots of care to each other. Um, So yeah, probably working hard, hands-on, family members, all driven, you know, with one mission to change this this industry. I, I think this is probably what most people will describe when you've talked to them. Great answer. Um, looking back, is there anything you would have done differently knowing what you know now? I think that the biggest mistakes are always come back to, and, and biggest successes too, to people, right? This is where we decided in the early years to dedicate more than 50% of our time to interviewing people when we grew across the board. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that was the right call. But when you invest so much in the people, which again, that builds everything. It builds the culture, it builds the company, it builds the product, it builds the brand, everything. Um, It's also harder to let go when you're making mistakes and you will make mistakes. Um, We all make mistakes. And I think for me personally, and and probably some of my colleagues and and partners in the company too, that's obviously the hardest thing to to let go when when you make a mistake. When when and I think I learned over the years it's not going doing any good neither to you to the person to the company um, to keep you know to keep someone in the rot, in the wrong spot. Um, so so that's probably if I'll go back in time now I would tell myself yes it's okay to take the time to hire right. We we did tremendously well on that front. And I'm very, very proud of houses that we brought on board over the years. Um, I think we did less great in terms of in the first several years, understanding that sticking to it, it's not necessarily good to anyone, Um, but people are always the hardest. I think if you make a mistake with the business, if you want to pivot, if you want to change, at the end of the day, it's all doable, right? It's it's a matter of time and money and how to do it, but but it's all doable. But with people, when you don't want to hurt people, especially when you're so close to everybody, it's the hardest, but it's not the smartest way to, to keep moving on like this. So I think I would probably go back in time and change Hire, you know, slowly and take the time to do it right. But when something is wrong, don't drag it. Uh, I think I know the answer to this final question, but um, but let me put it out there anyway. <laughs> Looking back, what'd you get right? I I think we got right the people. We, we got right with, you know, when our instinct was we need happy people around us. And we need to be happy. So how do happy sounds like a big word, but but truly, you know, it's 
it influenced every single decision that we've made, you know, how our day would look like, how we're not going to have bureaucracy and too many meetings and, and, and how, you know, it's not about paperwork. It's not about layers and, and who is reporting to who it's about the right mindset, you know, the creativity, the fun that you're going to have every morning when you come to the office and you work with these people, the learning. I, I think the mindset of try to bring people that are better than you in that or in that and that are experts that was there for us from the get-go was right. The diversity. So yes, I would absolutely go back to the people. And I think that's our biggest pride that, that we have so many amazing houses that I know personally all over the world that we, you know, interviewed, you know, that, that we brought on board and they did so well. And they are the people that brought the company to where it is today. It, it, it's never about one person. Yes, you need to have a lot of luck. You need to be in the right time, in the right place, with the right idea. But at the end of the day, the execution, lots of people have great ideas and potentially even at the right time. When you have the right people with the right mindset, and it's a long journey. It's a crazy roller coaster. You have ups and you have downs and you have terrible moments too. Um, but when you have the right people with you, with the right mindset and belief and foundation, you can go through all this because you, right. you have them with you. All right. All right. So job one, get the right people. <laughs> get all the right. right. Adi, let's leave it there. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank it was really great. Right. Uh, Adi Tatarko. Thank you so much. That's all for this episode of The Human Factor. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen so you don't miss the next episode. The Human Factor is produced by Joshua Christensen with help from Blake Odom. 